0: Data Driven Podcast and I Hear Everything Production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data driven decision making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan.
1: Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. Today, we're going to hear about data-driven strategies for enhancing employee wellbeing and performance. Joining us is Brad Smith, the Chief Science Officer at Mequilibrium, which is the number one global digital resilience solution to build workforce wellbeing and performance. Mequilibrium or MeQ's data analytics-based approach, uses AI to help companies predict workforce risk for burnout, turnover, and behavioral health risks, and prepare employees for growth and propel teams to action. Today, Brad and I are going to discuss harnessing data to improve employee wellbeing. Here's my conversation with Brad Smith, Chief Science Officer at Mequilibrium. All right, Brad, thanks for joining us on the Data-Driven Podcast. Today, we're talking about harnessing data to improve employee well-being. And can you tell us a little bit about Mequilibrium to get started, what Mequilibrium does,
0: and how it uses data to improve employee well-being? Sure. So it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Equilibrium is a company that helps identify business risk in cognitive data. So we have an assessment that takes about five minutes to complete. It talks about sort of cognitive styles, the way that people think. Um, It identifies a range of capabilities, strengths and challenges across 18 different resilience factors sort of the main part of the product helps people upskill in those areas. And so we help people become more resilient. There's tons of benefits that have been established in the scientific literature to resilience, to building resilience, improving well-being. Um, But what we really do is help companies see those risks behind where there's well-being issues. So if you have a company that there's, for example, an R&D group, and you're going to make a huge investment in R&D in in your company, you want to make sure that those folks are set up right, that they have the right attitude, that they have the right level of self-confidence to pursue the research. Or if you have a sales group, you want to make sure that those folks are focused and that they are sleeping well and that they are positive about uh, the work that they're doing. So we help people see sort of what the risks and opportunities are across their workforce in all different kinds of areas, um, and then help individuals improve on those areas, either sharpening the sword where they need, you know, they're already good, they need to get better, or help them sort of level up where they have an opportunity to improve. Okay, awesome.
1: So we're using cognitive data to measure different types of business risks. Let's break that down. So
0: what sort of cognitive data are you collecting? Yeah, so our cognitive data, like I said, it's a five-minute assessment. It's based on work that comes out of the University of Pennsylvania, which is the, you know, the sort of founding the area where positive psychology was founded and the science of resilience comes out of. We have really like two and a half decades worth of research behind our stuff. Um, Our assessment tells about 18 different factors, and it's things like uh, positivity. It's like problem-solving ability, all different things that are related to the way that people encounter and work through challenges in their life. And that data uh, is what we use to to devise an individual journey for each user who comes into the product. And through that journey, that's where we do the the sort of topping off or upskilling of folks. Cool. So each person does a five-minute assessment. That's exactly right. So it's a highly individualized product. And actually each person we have, I had a sample of data I was looking at the other day, about 550,000 users. Each each user has a different journey. So the other thing that's sort of unsaid to this point is we have a set of skill building modules. And so those modules uh, are targeted at areas of, Uh, uh, to improve people in different areas. So if you're struggling with emotion control, you might get assigned a a module on emotion control that helps you upskill in that area. And so what what we do is that that unique journey each user gets is based on their scores on that assessment. Each user of those 550,000 I just mentioned, each one had a a, a totally different journey. So it's very snowflakey. No one's got the same journey as someone else. If you need to work on emotion control, you're going to get that front loaded in your journey. If I need to work on uh, stress management or sleep, I'm going to get that front loaded in my journey. So your journey is going to look different
1: than mine. Okay. Could you give us an example of some of the questions that someone might encounter in that
0: assessment? Sure. In the assessment, you might see a question that says, I don't have any trouble keeping positive throughout my day. Or you might see a question that asks something about, uh, I thrive on challenges and look forward to challenges in my day. And you might see a question that asks about support and something that says, I have a group of people who help keep me up, uh, a group of supporters that keep me up. So it's pretty wide ranging. It feels a lot more like a personality type test than it would like a clinical assessment that you might get at the therapist's office. But we do have predictive, pretty strong predictive power in there for identifying uh, behavioral risks like uh, behavioral health risks like anxiety and depression but it really doesn't feel clinical in that sense. Okay. So pretty easy questions for someone to answer. Pretty easy questions. Yeah. yeah. The goal is really like to, you know, to get people to go through again in about 5 minutes and not have to ruminate on stuff and come up, you know, think hard about about how they might answer it, but to really say sort of go with the gut on those questions. Okay. Awesome. So uh, these questions is it a standard bank of questions for everyone, or are the questions even customized depending on the type of employee that the test is tailored for? Yeah, great question. So the the in order that we have comparable data across the whole population that we serve, we want to make sure that we get the same core. We do allow customers to to sort of tap in and add a few questions. So we have customers that have, for example, a specific interest in the energy and level, level of energy that someone brings to their job. Well, we can incorporate that and then provide reporting out. We have customers that are really interested in the concept of psychological safety. So we could stick in a few psychological safety questions, but really the core of the product operates on on those about 60 questions that are asked of everyone who comes in the front door. Okay. 60 questions in five minutes. So it's really go with your gut. Don't overthink it. They're very short. There's no essay responses. It's, uh, it's a five-point response format that doesn't change. It's all set up to be very, very uh, quick. You can do it on the keyboard if you're using your desktop. Um, and on mobile, it's fast as well.
1: Okay. That's great. Now, in terms of framing it to an employee that might be taking the test, How do we present it in such a way that people aren't going, oh, okay, well, I don't want my employer to see that I get down sometimes or I have low energy levels?
0: Yeah, so uh, very upfront in the terms and conditions, which of course nobody reads, but then everywhere else in uh, the marketing communication that we do to potential members, we make the case throughout the product that we're not going to turn over your answers on an individual basis to anybody, not to your manager, not to your HR department. Um, so that data remains only aggregated. So if there's a group of 20, we'll report out an average for that group of 20. If it's less than 20, it's not going to get reported out. And we, we find that that approach, that communication approach is pretty effective. We have employers where we get something like 70% enrollment in equilibrium. So we feel like that that story, people people trust us on that front. And we get pretty good uptake, despite the fact that there is, you know, people might perceive risk. Cool. Do you do anything interesting
1: in the back end to make sure that even your employees cannot see the individual level data or that it couldn't be leaked accidentally?
0: Yep. So we're a company of about 100 people. And I would say that of the 100 people that work, work at VQ, we probably have th- three or four people at most who could get down to individual level identifiable data. I'm one of them there's something on my team is, and maybe our data engineering folks could get down to that level too. So, you know, all the normal controls that you have in terms of need to know access, all the things that you do, you know, we treat our data like protected health information, PHI. So we have all the the compliance things in place to make our customers comfortable that uh, there's not gonna be someone else who taps in and, you know, discloses data. So pretty strong data security, uh, VPN, all that stuff. So we do a good job of, of protecting things and we hire people with background checks so no one's gonna go out spreading uh, spreading some, of, some other company's data on the internet. Okay, I'm feeling
1: good, I'm ready to do the
0: test. <laughs> all right, well good, we'll sign you up. Awesome,
1: so I think we've got a good handle on the sort of cognitive data we're collecting. How do we use it? How do we improve, mitigate business risk using this data?
0: Yeah, so so on an individual level basis, um, we help people improve, right? So we're going to help someone who's really struggling with emotion control or with burnout at work. We're going to help give them tools and techniques. So if someone if someone's got burnout. We're going to talk to them about self care and the importance of self care. The research that we've done, sort of starting with COVID and forward to today, says there's really two things that are that are essential in terms of helping people weather all the the stuff that we've had to go through collectively over the last two or three years, everything from pandemic to political issues and what have you. The two things that are most impactful for a business in terms of helping the people weather that, one is having an opportunity to do self-care. So that could be anything, right? It's not necessarily... You know, yoga. It's not necessarily meditation. My thing is like taking a walk with the dogs in the middle of the day or in, in the evening to sort of unwind and de-stress. But having some kind of self-care activity is a key thing of what we talk about with with people to help them understand sort of why they're burned out and how they might emerge from that. The second thing that's really important is managers. Having a manager that looks after and inquires about their team's well-being. And we found that, that over the pandemic and really through to today, if you have a manager that looks at out for your well-being that's checking in with his or her team to see how they're doing uh, not only on a business level or on a, on a project level but on a on a well-being level but that is something that's going to provide a huge protective effect for that employee so we're also in the product we're helping managers upskill and become uh, not only more resilient themselves but be better resilient leaders and to help them lead their teams in a way that that not only enhances performance but helps helps them weather the storms that we're going through. So part of the answer to your question is on the individual level, we're helping people do that. The second second answer to your question is how do we sort of mitigate business risk? Is we're helping people at the top of the organization. So the folks that buy our product, that could be someone in people analytics, that could be somebody in that could be somebody in benefits. That could be somebody in talent. So the HR folks that that have purchase MeColibri, we're giving them the tools to see the risk. So we have a tool called Workforce Intelligence. Um, we typically, from all our customers, we'll get an eligibility file for who's allowed to be in, uh, you know, who's allowed to log in and who can have an account. That eligibility file typically has information in it about tenure or about work group or manager name or function or job title or all of these things. And what we do is take the cognitive data we collect and take the eligibility file data, match that together, put it into a a business intelligence tool that uh, has a Tableau backend and then put that up in a, again, a very secure way so that people can explore that and see where risks are. So we, in addition to the 18 resilience factors, we have a heat map that we can show folks that show those resilience factors and where they're stronger and weaker relative to sort of either a book of business norm across our population or to the norm for a specific industry. So you can see where your workforce is different. Um, We also have behavioral health risks, things like burnout risk, things like uh, anxiety and depression risk that are better than 90 percent accurate in finding folks that are at high risk for those things. And so giving people access to that data to be able to see what's happening in their population and see where those risks are, that would be the second thing. And actually, I just thought of a third thing. The third thing that we do is what we call intelligent navigation. So. We help identify those risks, uh, both on an individual level and on an aggregate level, sort of with our workforce intelligence tool. But the third thing that we're also doing is helping action on those risks. And maybe this gets ahead to the next question, but we have a tool called Intelligent Navigation that can help, you know, MeQ is great for helping people who have mild to moderate levels of issues with things like anxiety or depression. We're not a digital therapeutic, we're not a, a therapy tool. Um, But what we're really good at is identifying where those risks are and then helping connect people with the kinds of resources that are already in a company's behavioral health or benefits ecosystem to help refer them out in a very confidential, um, in-product way so that they get connected with the EAP. And we see, in general, our customers see a pretty significant boost to employee assistance program or EAP utilization when we plug in intelligent navigation into that equation. So, individual level stuff, workforce intelligence at the aggregate level, and then actioning on that—at least in part—actioning on that through what we call work for uh, what we call intelligent navigation.
1: Cool. Let's drill into the uh, individual experience first, and then we'll look at the workforce level insights. So, at the individual level. If I'm a user, do I get like a customized report and some
0: recommendations? Yeah, so you're gonna get you're gonna get a profile, and the profile is gonna show several things. It's gonna show what your sources of stress are. So things like family, like job, success, finances, health. It's gonna show you sort of what your stress profile is and how you compare. It's gonna show you how you score across those 18 resilience factors and give you a comparison to the average. So are you there gonna be things that you're doing better on than average? Those are things we call your lifts. And there's gonna be things that you're doing not as good on as your, uh, as your peers. Those are things we call your drags. Um, so that profile gives you a view of sort of where you stand. It also gives you an idea of what we call your stress personality. Each of us has a go-to response when we encounter a stressful situation. So as an example, mine is guilt. If something goes wrong in my life, I'm like, oh, what did I do to cause it? I must have been my fault. I have coworkers who go to emotion is uh, is anger. And so when something goes wrong, they scream and they yell and they like to find someone else to blame. So we're going to give people some insight into sort of their go-to reactions. And those are super important in terms of helping people recognize sort of where they struggle. We use sort of under the hood, People, you know, we don't broadcast it to the to the member, but under the hood, this is a cognitive behavioral therapy driven product. And so what we're doing is helping people recognize that the stuff that they think in their head, right, the sentences that we say to ourselves in our heads, that drives how we feel and then ultimately how we behave. And so we're teaching people about that connection in the product. And so that's why that signature emotion or the the go-to emotion is so important for understanding and changing it's how, how we can change the way that we feel. Are people often surprised
1: to learn what their strengths, weaknesses, go-to emotions are?
0: I think probably 90% of people uh, are unsurprised at what their are uh, So there's really two things. One is a, st- a stress personality. I kind of conflated them in the explanation there. A stress personality... You could be a caregiver or you could be a regulator. And that's, you know, I'm a caregiver. That goes with guilt in oftentimes. My, I always wanna help people out, take care of, help them take care of their problems, help them solve their problems. Sometimes at, at, to my own detriment. Um, so caregivers are like that. So stress personality, what you find is about 90% of people are like, you got me exactly right. Because it's 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 expressed in simple off terms um, that people really see themselves in the report out that happens. I think in the sort of more detailed go-to emotion, that tends to be a little bit more explorative, uh, exploratory process for people, sort of helping people get there, see it in the work that they're doing in product and working through those skill modules. And in terms of the 18 resilience factors, I'm not sure any of us thinks of ourselves in 18 factors. So I don't know that people see that and they're like, oh, yeah, you got me but I think people see that they have a general sort of broad sense of where uh, they, they have the opportunity to improve or where they're already strong. They might not think of it in exactly the same terms that we label those resilience factors in, but I think I think it, it what, the feedback we hear from users is that uh, it resonates with them.
1: It, it makes was, sense because we're using the information that they've just told us in the survey. The interesting part is, of course, connecting that to action. So one action you mentioned is you've got your network and then the employer has their employee assistance program, so it could be putting them in touch with a professional. I'm going to guess that in a lot of cases, the steps we take are not uh, going that far. And so I'd be really interested to learn about some of the things short of talking to a professional or working with a provider, what are some of the simpler interventions or little steps that maybe the platform prompts them to take the quick wins, if you like.
0: Yeah. So let me tell you about sort of one of the core skills that we teach. And again, uh, you know, we're cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy oriented. Um, really, at the core of our product, one of the things that we teach is called co- is called reframing. Um, and reframing is when, and I, I talk about this with my oldest daughter, who struggles sometimes with sort of imposter syndrome and the like. But reframing is basically the idea of recognizing the thoughts that are flowing through our heads, recognizing which of them are are functional for us or helpful and then recognizing which of them are not functional and not helpful and replacing the non-helpful ones with sort of more reality-oriented stuff so in the product we give it a kind of a little bit silly name called trap it map it zap it we're really teaching this exactly this exact skill so you're in a tough situation we might provide a vignette to somebody you're in this tough situation what's you know here's some responses you could go through or that someone like you might be might be going through which one is the one that you might take and one will be guilt you know one will be guilt one will be anger identifying sort of a go-to emotion so we help people see what that is we continue with that vignette and say you know sorry what's a vignette sorry a vignette is like a like a story a story starter your wife comes home from work. You haven't you haven't had a chance to finish dinner. Or your wife says, "How come your how come dinner's not ready?" Or another one might be, you know, your kid. You asked your kid to take the trash out, and you come home from work, and the kid hasn't taken the trash out. And what do you do? You know, I haven't raised my kid well enough. That's a that's a guilt response. Kid, what are you thinking? You're an idiot. You don't help us out. at ever you never do what I tell you to do. That's an anger response. So really trying to just to give real life kind of situations to help people think through the, the their, what their go-to response is. And to put, it, it's really the idea of metacognition. You know, how do you get people thinking about thinking? That's a little bit hard to do, to get started with. But once you can get started with thinking and sort of monitoring what's going through your head, those are powerful tools for changing the way that you feel. So these
1: tools, the vignettes, uh, the sort of the prompts, for different ways to think about a situation.
0: Is that all done within the platform? It is all done within the platform. So it's a mobile app, it's a a web-based app. You can access it in either way. Um, And each module in the product is a skill. It's a skill building micro learning module. And that skill module contains some learning opportunities. So we're gonna talk to you about how to recognize uh, your thinking patterns. But then we're also going to give you an opportunity and an activity after it to practice. And certainly, we don't expect that people are going to like, you know, like, learn about it and then instantly change their life. We give people opportunity to see through these activities, uh, the practice activities, to give them opportunities right then in the moment, but also going forward. You can schedule activities to be popped up on your calendar later. So if people are struggling with with sort of feeling down all the time. One of the evidence-based tools that's most highly recommended for helping people through that kind of situation is writing down three great things. So we might ask somebody who's struggling through you know, feeling down, we might ask them and tell them about write down three great things. That's what the activity's called. We might ask them to do it right there in the moment and then say, schedule this on your calendar mm-hmm. and either with your family at the dinner table or come back in a week um, and spend some time writing them down and then reviewing them just so that you can see that not everything in your life is going pe- terrible and going downhill, but there are really some great things to be proud about. So the journey is to, is made up of these micro-learning skill modules, skill-building modules, and then opportunities to practice as well. And then later on in the product, we collect more data. Every 90 days, we offer people the opportunity to reassess. And so with that reassessment data, where we ask sort of a slice of the questions that were, were in the initial assessment, we're able to see and then provide feedback to people about how they're improving and how they're changing over time. Okay, so it sounds like some overlap
1: with gratitude journaling techniques like this. The difference being it's all prompted within the app. You're not starting from scratch. It's like hand-holding you through this process.
0: Yeah, that's right. And that's, you know, the gratitude journaling stuff is a tiny slice of what we do. And there's other evidence-based tools throughout the product that that accomplish different functions. So helping people recognizing those, those thinking patterns that are dysfunctional and replacing the ones that are better. Cool. And if I start
1: using this app, does it create an archive for me so I can go and see the gratitude statements that I've written, the vignettes, things like that from
0: the past? Sure does and it might it might throw them back in your face later when you're wet, you know when you when you need it. Um, so we have a, a chat bot that, that might uh, pop up and remind you after you've checked in and done a mood a mood tracking event and your mood is not looking so good, that chat bot might pipe up and remind you of one of those great things that you wrote down, you know, six months ago to help you sort of remember that not everything is bad.
1: Nice. So
0: it's sort of like a an app that uh, allows you to get some of the benefits and learn some of the things that you learn from going to a therapist, but uh, much cheaper and more convenient. That's a good way to say it. Another way we say it is is ha- like having a digital resilience coach or a coach in your pocket. So somebody who's there, somebody who's checking in on you, um, somebody who's got a plan that's tailored specifically to you that helps walk you through the opportunities, the areas where you have opportunity for improvement. Okay. i you using, but have you looked at using AI with some of the chat features? Yeah. So our chatbot at this point is rules driven, you know, given what's happened in the last year, the world of generative AI, it's high on our list. And we're starting internally right now, really looking at sort of search tools and how we could do NLP driven generative AI search. So I have a big meeting, you know, a prompt we might let users use is I have a big meeting coming up. I'm really stressed out. What are some things that I can do to prepare for the meeting and reduce my stress level? So we have tons of content in the product on that. But if you were to type that into our search engine right now, you wouldn't get, you know, you might get some results back. But what we want to do is transform that to a next level experience and have it have it integrate evidence based content, but also do it in a way that's very conversational and very interactive. So that's one aspect. the other place where we have AI, you know, the whole generative AI discussion has caused people to have at least momentary amnesia about everything else, all the ML stuff that came, machine learning stuff that came before. So, all that stuff still happens in the background. So, we have a machine learning recommendation engine that recommends. Blog posts, for example, for that people like you who have similar score patterns to you that read something that you read. We have a model that generates recommendations, a collaborative filtering tool. So that's in the product. That there's also work going on to boost that the role of that in terms of um, uh, in terms of helping people, uh, you know, maximize what they can get out of our product. And as I interact
1: with the product, does it learn more about me over time? Does it update its understanding beyond? what it gathered from that initial five minute assessment.
0: Sure does, so the, the, the 90 day mark, the reassessment that you're allowed to take, if you complete a full reassessment, So there's a, there's a short reassessment that's uh, 30 questions and there's a complete reassessment, which would be the full 60 that you could take. If you complete that full reassessment, you would get, uh, you would get a completely new journey that recognizes what's new about where you are, uh, looks at all new scores and then takes things out where you've had the opportunity to improve, um, and replaces them with things that are sort of next that give you, uh, that are, would be next in your journey. The other places where we learn about people is we track preferences, we track what you've read and suggest things to you in product that build on sort of what we know about what your patterns have been in the past. All right, Brad, thanks for joining us on the Data-Driven Podcast today. Today,
1: we've looked at how we can gather data from employees, use it to build a tailored learning journey uh, that's data-driven to help improve employee well-being. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Data-Driven Podcast. Thanks to Brad Smith. Chief Science Officer at Mequilibrium for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Brad and I are going to discuss the role of data in identifying burnout, productivity, and retention risks. If you can't wait till our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Brad, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Mequilibrium, or visit his company website, Mequilibrium.com. One week in our show notes, I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head on over to datadrivenpod.com. We've got summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests, and you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. Hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed tomorrow. That's all for today, but remember, until next time, when it comes to data, less is more.